This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Weekdays at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. Hello and welcome aboard the Paul Gallant Show on Friday. Friday, gotta get down on Friday, June 11th of 2021. I am Paul Gallant and the reality is... This is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. You can text in 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You could tweet me at Galan Says. So let's just start off with the question that is the reality on everyone's mind. How do you feel about Russell Wilson's future in Seattle after yesterday's press conference? You feeling better? You feeling the same? You feeling worse? I threw that question out on Twitter at Galan Says and... The response is 59.9%, at least as of right now, feel the same. 31.8% feel better. 8.3% feel worse. You know what? At the very least, we can all feel a little bit better because for the most part, we're all feeling okay about what took place yesterday. What's my takeaway from the press conference, you might ask? The person who has been probably more annoyed than Anyone at 710 ESPN Seattle by this entire saga this offseason? Well, I got to say, I'm impressed. I am impressed by the delicate and artful way that Russell Wilson was able to dodge question after question the way that until maybe that game against the New York Giants, he was able to dodge pass rushers. My hat is off to him. Football, talk, art. And the reality is it belongs in a museum. I feel about the same about Russell Wilson's future in Seattle after this because here's the deal with Russ. He's unbelievable to watch on a football field, but he is someone that whenever he is asked what's going on in his mind, he is always going to have a mask in front of it. You're never going to get authentic Russ. That's who he is. I don't blame him for it. He is a very forward-facing individual. He is a quarterback. But at the same time, you could tell that there was something that bothered him over the course of this offseason. And he was trying to make clear that this did not take place, even though the implication was right there. And we lathered in it and just sat in it and waited for three and a half months. But... He wanted people to believe he never requested a trade. Doesn't really work that way, though, right? When your agent puts out a tweet, essentially, that says, these are the four teams that I would be traded to. That's bizarre behavior, no matter how you want to slice it. That's a very strange move to do. And you just let it hover in the air? Russell Wilson could have come out and clarified that. He says he was in the Bahamas. Okay, you're on vacation. Probably something that you would want to take care of, because you can while you're in the Bahamas. Not that hard. We all have cell phones. We all have Periscope or uh, Instagram Live. Whatever you want to do, he could have spoken out and tried, at the very least, to put it to rest. He didn't. He explained yesterday at his press conference why he didn't say anything all offseason. Here's Russ. Sometimes things are family matters. Not everybody else is a a part of it at the time. You know, because the reality is is that, you know, there was calls going around that I could have possibly been traded. And so... uh, 
you know, I think the reality is, is that we, we, you know, we had to have a lot of conversations. We had some great ones along the way and it made our relationship stronger, really. Uh, me and Pete and John and, and all that. So he dodges around it there. The entirety of the press conference, he felt that that was blown out of proportion and he's absolving himself of fault. And then text in on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. <laughs> the real reality of the reality is really real, really. But one texter asks about Russell Wilson's agent. Did Russ ever mention whether or not his agent requested for a trade? No, he did not. And here's the thing. There were some really, I think, well-worded questions that were sent Russ's way. And he stepped around all of them. And he's always going to be able to do that. The guy's got a career in politics after that. I think that is for sure. And some people are going to believe everything that he said. Hook, line, and sinker. I don't blame you. I would want to believe everything that he said. Hook, line, and sinker. I would want to have faith that this guy is going to be here for the remainder of his career. And maybe he will be. This is the one thing that really stuck with me in the press conference because Russ was flexing this offseason that the Seahawks need to do some more. And I get it. I mean, he's frustrated about getting hit as many times as he is and frustrated about losing. But this moment in the press conference where he said, while things can change, I want to be here forever. I thought it was very interesting. Well, I think any time in sports, obviously things can change. I think that's just the reality. Um, everybody knows that, you know. But I think that for me, my heart of a hearts, and, um, you know, I, I love the city. I love this place. Um, you know, I, I love everything about it <laughs> from the moment I touch down to Seattle Children's to, you know, our, our Why Not You Academy to everything else that we have going on. This place has meant a lot. And ultimately, I love the fans. I love my teammates. I love, I love, I love this coaching staff. I love this building. You know, so every time I, um, every time I come up here, I get excited. You know, just to get ready to go again. He loves everything about it here. Things can change, but I want to play the rest of my career here. So, what does that mean? I think it should mean if you say that you want to play the rest of your career here, then this little kerfuffle that we had back in February is the last time that we are going to have headaches like this during the offseason until your contract expires. That is what I think should happen going forward if Russell Wilson is a man of his word in saying that he wants to play here for the remainder of his career. And look, things can change. And a question that I have for you, an honest one, this is not a loaded question, does Russ care about his word? Does any athlete, should any athlete, care about what they say at a press conference? Because things can change. And I know that if we go back in time, there is an idea that when Alex Rodriguez left town, that Alex Rodriguez had said, I want to be in Seattle forever. I don't think there's ever a direct quote that indicated that. Then he signs with Texas for ungodly amounts of money, and it's clear to everybody, okay, he's probably more about money. I don't honestly blame him for the contract, but I can understand why people would have gotten upset. But in this situation, Russ, a guy who cares about his legacy and cares about what other people think about him, we know that for sure. He says that he wants to play the remainder of his career here. If that's the case, if that's truly the case, then I feel that this is the last time that we should hear any uncertainty coming out of his camp, his court, for the remainder of the time that he is on this roster. 
That's at least how I feel about it. But I'm curious as to how you feel about it, and this is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. 710-710 is how you text in on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. I really think this was just a bunch of off-season media hype. There's no doubt that the fans were flamed, no doubt about it, by national types who made it seem as if Russell Wilson was going to do what we had seen in the NBA. Also, you got to factor this in, and we should wish all the bad things on this team this coming season. The Chicago Bears made this situation way worse. They did. You know how? Because they have tried to, in a desperate attempt to pander to their fan base, made it seem as if they had legitimately put an offer on the table that Seattle was considering. Seattle wasn't really considering any of these offers. And while Russ didn't really do, I think, a good job of taking the Seahawks away from being blamed for this even coming up, because I think there are some who believe that the Seahawks were making phone calls. No, they weren't. They were taking phone calls, picking up the phone, hanging up. Chicago made it sound as if they made this godfather offer and that Seattle was seriously considering it because Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, they were trying to save their jobs. They made this worse. So anyway, this text continues. The offseason media hype, no doubt about it. This is how it works in February, March, April in the NFL. This is our dramatic season. He continues saying, I acknowledge his agent is a moron, but Russ isn't going anywhere. I really hope that. And I do believe that he isn't. And I've been saying this for a while, too. If he wants to leave, he has to be a lot more forceful than having his agent try to clarify something. Well, he doesn't want to trade, but this is where he would want to be traded to. 710-710, Mac and Checks Brewing Company text line. Paul, move on. You are part of the problem with mainstream sports media. Stop talking about it so he stays in Seattle. Do you really think what I say, me, Paul Gallant, what I say is going to affect what Russell Wilson does in his future? Really? I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm complimented. I mean, that means a lot to me that you feel like I can affect it that much. What we say, what you say, what anyone says, it's all in his mind. It's all in his court. And I'm just hoping that his words that he said yesterday ring true. Because no matter what you want to believe right now, I am tired of talking about this. I am. Yes, for most sports talk show hosts, this is a gold mine of content. For me, I'm tired of it. I am. I didn't want to watch a 30-minute Russell Wilson press conference where he says the word reality 48 times. I don't want to watch that. Do you want to watch that? Who wants to watch that? No one. It was artful. Again, some of the things that he did to dodge those questions. No, I don't want that, no matter what you want to believe. Anywho, I want to talk to you guys today. Let's feel it out. All day long, Sports Pit's going to be me talking with you. 710-710's the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. How are you feeling right now after Russell Wilson's press conference? Tweet at Gallant says, we'll hear your calls, 206-421-3776 at 10.15. This hour of the Paul Gallant Show, which you can watch, 710sports.com slash video. Listen on your smart speaker. Download the 710 app to listen to as well. This hour is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. But right now, it's time for What's Trending? Brought to you by Kings Heating and Air with Maura Dooley. Good morning, afternoon, Maura Dooley. Happy Friday. How are you now? I am wonderful. How are you? I am good. I am well. I am processing my way through what we saw yesterday. (laughs) And I am hopeful that this is it. I really am hopeful that this is it. There were some 
positive things that we'll probably get to a little bit more next week in his press conference. But I'm hoping that we are slowly moving away from this. My take on it is that it's kind of like, you know, you've been at a workplace where maybe you and your boss don't see eye to eye. Doesn't necessarily mean that you don't respect him, but I I feel like him and Schneider and Carol have some differences. I'm not sure that that completely goes away, but you can still do your job, right? Yeah. I, I think that should that's be able to do where they're job. at. And just hopefully it doesn't affect, ho- hopefully, you know, the O-line isn't mad. There's not a, an impact on team mm. chemistry there. Because obviously they're going to do their job too. But is there a little bit of a fracture in that relationship? But yeah, I think everybody, they're going to move past it. But I don't think it was fake. It happened. There was some tension. Now we move on. You said something interesting about the offensive line. We'll get to that later, 1030. What's going on outside of as the Russell Wilson turns, right, we'll the switch, dumb and the rustless? We'll switch to baseball. I don't know if the Mariners oh, are in timeout. Oh, they're in you. timeout. They are in timeout well, because they are one in five against the Tigers this year. But continue. Is there is there something else this that we can about talk about? The game okay, good, last night. Good, so good. Jerry Depoto joined you in, on Danny and Gallant yesterday and spoke about what they hope their lineup will look like when they eventually have everybody available that they want to, uh, whether it's coming back from injury or coming up from Tacoma. Our hope is that as we get to the all-star break, that we see a, a, a lineup on the field that is reflective of what we think uh, our, our future you know, championship clubs are going to start to look like. And you can fill in the blanks. And that includes guys like Evan White and Kyle Lewis and, and Jared Kelnick and, and the young players that you're starting to see already bust through. Guys like Jake Fraley and J.P. Crawford and, and hopefully Dylan Moore is a part of that sooner than later, coming back from his injury. You know, and, and that could include guys like Cal Raleigh in addition to the, the players who've already appeared in the big Maura, you tweeted this quote out essentially and listed some of those names, and you were not met with a lot of happiness by some salty Mariners fans on the internet. Yeah. And you know, I I understand their frustrations. They're kind of you know like yeah we yeah yeah we've been hearing this for a long time. A lot of them aren't so sure they want to hear about guys like Fraley and Dylan Moore being the future. I heard some comments on that, and then also a lot of people upset that Hanniger and Seeger weren't mentioned in there. But I believe. Danny mentioned this earlier that he's talking about trying to see the lineup that they haven't seen together so far. You know, Kelnick's back in Tacoma. Evan White's out hurt. Dylan Moore's out hurt. So I think he's just saying Hanniger and Seeger have already been out there. Yes, they have. I don't think he was necessarily saying they're not a part of the future. You didn't hear Ty France there either. So I I think that that's also something that you should you should keep in mind. Look, they they will not have that lineup, I think, by the All-Star break. I don't. And I base that off of, we saw Evan White scratched yesterday from his start in Tacoma, which stinks. I mean, look, I'm, I'm frustrated watching Evan White play. That doesn't mean I'm rooting against him. I would love to see him turn it around. Obviously, it's in the Mariners' best interest, which means vicariously it's in my best interest. Jared Kelnick's 0 for 8 in his first two games at Tacoma with four strikeouts. Yeah. 0 for 5 last night, Mora, with three strikeouts. That is a sign that there's more than just pressing going on and I wonder how long it's going to take him but two games and that's the result this is probably going to take some time with Jared all right this is an interesting one Julio Jones met with Titans reporters yesterday and answered questions about AJ Brown offering him his number 11 and declining it and why he chose number two he explains it Kind of. I'm still pretty confused. He tried to give me the 11. I was like, bro, I don't want it. It's your number. You know, so um, I was like, I'm just going to go with the two. 
I don't know. I was just like, um, you know, me, you, Derek, you're not, it's, you know, since excluding Tannehill, he's 17. He's got, a, you know, 17, right? But um, the two, one plus one is two, then two and a, times 11 is 22. So it's kind of like, you know what I mean? You don't have to deal with us. It's all four of us, actually, but you don't have to deal with the whole offense. You know, it takes all 11 guys. But it's just some things just to, you know, keep the guys going and, you know, just have fun with it. That's a long way of saying that you probably didn't put too much thought into it. Yeah, I just I just like that number. You don't have to come up with a reason. <laughs> you know, one plus one is two, but we got four guys who were good, and Ryan Tannehill's 17. I'm surprised he didn't take number eight. I mean, that was his number in college. Number two is an interesting number. Who's the most famous number two in NFL history? Honestly, I can't think of it off the top of my head. That is a number that I don't think many great quarterbacks have worn. I could be wrong on that front. But I can't think of one off the top of my head. Like, Doug Flutie, maybe? And number two, and I mean, Doug Flutie was barely around in the NFL. And I think he was number seven. He was 22 in college. So, that's a one to throw out there. Who's, like, the best number two in NFL history? Probably some kicker. I'm Paul Gallant. This is the Paul Gallant Show. That is What's Trending, brought to you by Kings Heating and Air every single morning, 1015, right here, 710 ESPN Seattle. Okay, time to unleash the hounds. 206-421-3776 is how you can call, and you can text in, too. On the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, 710-710. How are you feeling right now after Russell Wilson's press conference? Better? The same? Worse? It's time for you guys to be heard. Your voice. Your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be heard. Some answers to who's the best number two. Matt Ryan. Eh. Almost a Hall of Famer. He did win an MVP. So at the very least, he'll be in that conversation. But you got to win a title for that. Jalen Hurts. Johnny Manziel. One person says that his favorite number two is in a place that is... Uh, that, that's just toilet humor, sir. That's, that's toilet humor. Not cool. We are a professional show. Tim Couch. Wow. God. Number two does not have a lot of history. Uh, we got a text slash tweet from our guy, Venkat. The big cat. He is tired of Florios and Schefters. He feels like whenever they are involved in Seattle sports news, they make this worse. Well, I think Adam Schefter is just relaying information that he has been shared. I don't think Schefter's done anything with that. Florio has definitely taken a very pointed approach with this. I don't know why he's taken the approach that he has. I don't know if maybe he's close with Mark Rogers or something like that. But I saw a headline, and I didn't actually grab the audio from it, and I didn't really care to watch it either. And I don't have an issue with Florio maybe the way that others in the morning show might have, whether it's Danny or Clayton. But I, when I saw that, it was basically... Russ is doing the Seahawks a great service by showing up for OTAs. And I was like, okay, well, let's, let's, let's relax a little bit with that. Florio's gone about it in a certain way. And he has tried to, I think, inflame the situation a little bit. But that's what he does. He, he is sort of like me, a entertainment commentator. You know, he's commentating on these news stories that he is seeing. And, yeah, maybe he's connected a little bit, but it's just sort of – what you do. That's his opinion on it. He feels like the Seahawks have wronged Russell Wilson. I I don't buy that in the slightest. 
877-337-6776. Let's go to Robert in Kirkland. Robert, what's going on? Uh, hey, Paul. Thanks for taking my call. Um, just to answer your question, you know, how do I feel about this Russell Wilson situation after his press conference? You know what? I really don't care. Mm. I don't because he's not the face of the Seahawks. I talked to John Clayton, the professor. I asked this question. I said, John, who do you think is the face of the Seahawks? Who is this team? Is it Russell Wilson or Coach Carroll? Professor, without a beat, said it's Coach Carroll. As long as we have Pete Carroll on this team as our coach, the Seahawks are going to be okay. Now, you can disagree and go off on, you know, like how awesome Russell Wilson is, but think of it. If we have the mastermind on this team who is not the QB but our head coach, we're going to be all right. So if we're going to trade Russell Wilson after this year, so be it. I, I'm, wow. It's not going to hurt me. Uh, but, Robert, but here's if, the if thing. If we lose Pete Carroll because Russell Wilson complains, like, oh, I want my system and Pete Carroll isn't falling, then watch us take a nosedive. Robert, I appreciate the phone call. It, the, the response to that that I have, look, they're both tied at the hip. All of this Seahawks success from 2012 on has to do with both of them. In the first half, it's because Pete Carroll was able to create a defense that's one of the best defenses in NFL history. But of late, they have been propped up by Russell Wilson. Should they move on from Russell Wilson, they will fall back to being that 7-9, and 8-8, eight and eight, and eight, I guess now we have these different regular seasons, that 8-9, 7-10, 9-8 kind of team, at the very least. I like Pete. I think that he and John Schneider have put together a really consistent program to assume though, that they would be fine. Not in the short term, maybe in the long term, not in the short term. You can't argue that you can't Robert and, or anyone else, which makes this situation a little bit more delicate because you do want him to stick around and maybe he will. I'm Paul Gallant. It's the Paul Gallant show. We're going to compare some of the things that Russell Wilson said at his press conference yesterday to things that he said earlier this offseason. Has he stayed consistent? Plus, we continue the conversation with you on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. How are you feeling about Russell Wilson and his future here after his press conference yesterday? Don't go anywhere. 710 ESPN Seattle. It's 1030. And that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness, you're going to get your, you're going to fail. With Paul Gallant. You know, listen, when I'm sitting in the Super Bowl and watching the Super Bowl, like, <laughs> I should be pissed off, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you should be you should be wanting to sit there and watch the game and, and want to be there and want to play the game, especially when you played in it twice. You know, and it's, it's one of those things like, man, we got to get back here. The reality is, that was the most real Russell Wilson was over the entirety of his press conference. And you can sort of see how maybe that's where everything started this offseason. He was frustrated. No one should blame him for being frustrated with the way that the season ended. It's been repetitive. They have ended earlier than they probably thought that they would. And they have come, these season enders, against teams that haven't even made it to the Super Bowl. I mean... They lose to the Rams. They, they lose to the Packers. They lose to the Cowboys. 
the one team they beat in between all of that. It's the Philadelphia Eagles who lost Carson Wentz in that game, and Josh McCown comes in there. It has felt rather repetitive. Every single year, they're good enough in the regular season. They're not good enough at the end of the year. So I can understand that frustration. And a texter writes, 710-710, I think the initial interview that started this whole Russ controversy was him shortly after being knocked out of the playoffs yet again. He was still dealing with all the frustration that brought him as the season had just ended. And after stepping back and having time to realize what he has here, he probably wishes he'd never vented back in February. I do believe as long as the Seahawks continue onward and upward, this is where he prefers to be. I'm sure that he likes it here, but there are things that he wants to be different. Again, who can blame him? Anyone who has worked in any environment, there's always going to be things that you want to be better. I don't think you're going to come in to work every single day and be like, yep, everything's perfect. No, that's just not how it goes. But let's go back in time then. Let's go back to that interview that Russell Wilson did on the Dan Patrick show. And where on the Dan Patrick show, excuse me, on the Rich Eisen show. My bad, I'm confusing the, the, the big names. You know what, I think you're right. I think I put down Rich Eisen, but you're Is it right. Dan Patrick, Patrick show? Okay. Yeah. He talked about being sacked too many times on the Dan Patrick show earlier this year. Here he is. Sometimes you hold on to it a little bit. You know, just because you're looking for that play and you find you find those guys, but also so many so many times those turns into touchdowns too. You, know, you never want to be sacked that many times. You know, 400 times basically is is way too many. 400 too many. Um, you know, so I think that's a big it's a big thing that we got to fix. That's got to be fixed. You know, and and has to be. You know, at the end of the day, because my goal is to play. You know, 10 to 15 more years, and so when you think about that and longevity and legacy and all that. And you, and you watched the game the other night, you know, the difference between that game was Tom was taking shots down the field and getting the ball, you know, to, to his guys and stuff like that. But, you know, he wasn't touched really. He got touched. I think he got sacked one time in the game. So he brings that up and Dan Patrick pushes him a little bit and he says, well, aren't you a part of that a little bit? And he's, and, and Russ says, yeah, I am. But also sometimes when I'm extending plays, I'm throwing for touchdown passes. So a couple of months go by. That's the one spot where Russ did something that could potentially alienate any of his teammates. And no matter what's said publicly, inwardly, these offensive linemen hear that. They should hear it. And in a year where they actually took a step forward, they should perhaps be a little annoyed by it. So at the press conference yesterday, when asked about those comments about his offensive linemen and the implication that they're not good enough, here is what Russ had to say. Not, not at all about the offensive line. I think that I also mentioned, you know, I mentioned that, you know, the reality is, is that I can do better too. You know, I think that's we're all we're all trying to find ways to win. We're all trying to find ways to be better. You know, and I think that, you know, listen, I Dwayne Brown's one of my closest friends, man. That guy's everything to me. You know, I, I think about D. Lou and what what a player he, you know, he he was last year. He's going into his second year. You know, I think about a guy like Posick who's been tremendous up front and how smart he's been. Uh, I'm excited about Gabe Jackson. He's been amazing in the Zoom calls. He's been amazing in his approach, uh, how tough he is. I've watched a lot of film of him, um, you know, and just how good he's been. Um, you know, and then obviously Shell over there at right tackle, you know, and, and, and you know, got a lot of got a lot of other guys that can play too as well. So I, I think that, you know, I think about, you know, a guy like Kyle who, who stepped in to play center for us in a big game last year against the Rams and, you know, played injured and played dinged up and all that. Bravo. Take a bow. Throw some roses on the stage there. That was an unbelievable performance there. Now, I'm not saying it's unbelievable and that he wasn't authentic there. No, that is, you're talking about every single one of the starters on the offensive line and going so far as to mention one of the backup offensive linemen. 
after mentioning positive things about all of them. So that's the damage control that you do publicly three and a half months later. But, I mean, you listen back. Are things as they are now that they weren't before? The difference is Gabe Jackson. The Seahawks traded for Gabe Jackson. Russell wanted a little more input. Maybe to him that was his input being heard. And now here he is, I think optimistic and actually committed to this coming season. The real question is what's going to happen over the course of it. Let's respond to some of what you guys had to say, 710-710, on the Mac and Tex Brewing Company text line. The media blows everything up in their own lopsided opinions that don't represent the majority of people. But I guess if the media was honest, you'd be out of a job. Perhaps. Look, I'm reading the situation the best way I can. Here's something that I think is important to know about the media, which is a very easy target these days. And you know what? Sometimes I do not blame you for feeling the way that you might feel, especially about maybe one media that leans one way or media that leans another. There's always going to be a little bit of spin there. But what you should know is that a lot of these people that are in the game, they hear things, they hear rumors, they hear facts, they hear complaints, they hear vents, and they're not allowed to go public with half of this stuff. If that. And that's how this starts. And I mean, if you go back to that piece in The Athletic, and you're going to act as if that's not something to at the very least be wary of if you're the Seahawks, then, I mean, you're just completely buried in the sand. Name the last time you heard a franchise quarterback name for teams that they would possibly be okay with being traded. Even if you don't, you're not saying I'll be, I want to be traded. Exactly. No, they, you don't put on a list of teams that you'd be okay with being traded to. That's the first time that's happened. Yes, Maura. I can't ever remember something like that happening ever. Aaron Rodgers is in a horrible place with the Packers and he hasn't even done that. Ooh, that is, that is a punch right to the gut. I just hate this narrative that we're making this up. It's one that people are going to say because they want to believe it. Look, I, I think we saw this a couple of years ago, too, in New England. Everyone thought that those Seth Wickersham pieces and Don Van Nata pieces about how there was friction between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick were full of it. Look what happened. That's all I'm saying. 710-710 on the Mac and Jacks Burn Company text line. Robert's one of our favorite callers, 206-421-3776, and he did rub some people the wrong way again. One texter, because he said Pete Carroll's the face of all this stuff. It's not Russell Wilson. Something that John Clayton's going to tell you tomorrow, too, probably 8 to 11 on the John Clayton show. This texter says, ask Robert to name the face of the Packers, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Browns. Betty names the quarterback every time. Dallas, on the other hand, you could say Jones. You're right, and it's because Dak Prescott hasn't done anything in the playoffs yet. Had Dak Prescott actually come to the point where we're talking about him as one of the top five quarterbacks in the game, which I suppose is a possibility at some point down the road, maybe not so much with the ankle injury that he suffered suffered last year yeah he said that, that's the exception you say jerry jones there yeah this is a quarterback driven league the conflict between pete though and russ is something that you talk about i think too when you think of the seahawks you're probably thinking of both at the same time maybe that's why things are the way that they are right now Seven ten seven ten on the mac and jacks brewing company text line is how you text in on the most interactive sports talk show in seattle one more time how are you feeling after russell wilson's press conference yesterday and i need to highlight my favorite moment of the entire thing 
this moment in time, it needs to be sent to the Football Hall of Fame. You'll hear it next. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. For those who don't know what an NFT is, it's a non-fungible token. Essentially, it's this version of online art that makes honestly no sense. I don't get it. Why would you pay for something that you can easily recreate yourself? Oh, because it's mine, and I will be able to trade it like it's a trading card someday. Okay, sure, I guess. Someone's probably, I guess, going to be willing to buy it. But there was a moment yesterday during Russell Wilson's press conference that I feel like should be a non-fungible token. Ladies and gentlemen, let me present to you a master class in talking around a question. The reality is, you know, uh, I think calls were getting thrown around and this and that, and I think that's just a reality. Um, <laughs> but I think at the end of the day, the, the real reality is that I'm here. And I'm here to win. And I'm here to win it all. I mean, the end of that, just a perfect recentering of everyone's focus to what he's focused on right now. Or at least an attempt to. After he said reality, did he say it four times? The real reality is that I'm here to win. And I'm here to win now. Love it. Does it sound like something straight out of a 1980s movie? Yeah. Don't care. I enjoyed that part of it. It made the watching of a 29-minute Russell Wilson press conference where we know he's largely going to say nothing actually enjoyable for me. Hearing the word reality said as many times as it was said there. He is very good at dancing around questions, just like he's good at dancing around pass rushers. I didn't expect anything less, though I guess I did wish that he had said, yeah, I made a mistake. Not like I needed an apology, but why not just admit, yeah, the way that it all went down was probably not the way that I wanted it to. A text in 710-710, and this has to do with Mark Rogers and his handling of the entire situation. Mark Rogers is Russell Wilson's agent. If his agent acted out without Russ's direction or feedback, then why is he still Russell's agent? Wouldn't you fire him? So I don't know 100% how much back and forth was taking place, but Russ wants everyone to know he was in the Bahamas during this time. That piece in The Athletic came out, and not too long afterwards, Adam Schefter tweets out, with Mark Rogers' name on it, that no, it's not a team, it's not a list of five or six teams that Russell Wilson would want to be traded to. It's actually a list of four teams. And it seemed like a very overreactive, hasty move that was done without a whole lot of thought because there was a clarification that came afterwards. So... When one texter asks if his agent acted out without Russ's direction or feedback, why is he still Russell's agent? Wouldn't you fire him? That's a great question. Because that is what blew things up way more than they already had been blown up. And if you want to talk about things being blown out of proportion, Russ played a part in it and not saying anything for three and a half months, no matter what happened at the Pete and John press conference around the NFL draft. And Mark Schneider, excuse me, Mark Rogers blew it up by putting those tweets in, by giving Adam Schefter that information. 710-710 on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line. (laughs) You're not making it up. You're bending what was said in a negative way instead of a positive way. Hmm. I could put a sunshine spin on this. 
the one good thing that I felt came out of this press conference was when he was asked about Shane Waldron's offense. He talked about how it's really complex. Again, it's a buzzword. We've heard creative. We've heard intricate from DK Metcalf as well. You hear all sorts of buzzwords every single offseason. But when I listen to him talk about it, I don't think he's entirely sold, but I do think he is curious as to what the results will be with Shane Waldron in. And honestly, why would he be sold right now when Shane Waldron does not have that much experience as an offensive coordinator? But Russ brought up, just like with DK Metcalf, that there are elements of all the offenses that he has been a part of. So he mentioned Washington football team going all the way back. He mentioned the Los Angeles Rams. And he mentioned New England, too. Three very different offenses. You know, the time in Washington, there's a little bit more Kyle Shanahan flavor in the mix. And I'm wondering if that also means maybe a little bit of some throwback RG3 action in there. Is Russ still athletic enough to do any of those things? Then you have with New England, I think, an offense that has a lot more responsibility placed on wide receivers than in others, where you have to know exactly the right spot that you are supposed to be based off of what you see across from you. And I think that's most offenses, but in New England's offense, it seems like it's a lot more that. And then in Los Angeles, there's just a lot more lateral movement going on. You're seeing it now in San Francisco, too. But that's sort of an adaptation that L.A. has done. So, yeah, if you're looking for something positive there, I hope that sunshiny spin is good enough for you. Text in 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. This is just a simple question. And, by the way, you can answer 206-421-3776 how you were feeling given what Russell Wilson said at his State of the Union yesterday. Who is more important to the franchise, asks a texter, Pete or Russell? And this is the tough one. And if I were in Seahawks ownership, what's a more rare commodity? Is it the head coach who's been able to maintain consistency but has maintained consistency with the quarterback, or is it the quarterback? And if you're looking at New England right now and Tampa Bay and Tom Brady having left, it's really difficult to not say the quarterback. So I have to pick both from one of those two. I would pick Russ. No matter how much I like Pete, no matter how much I like John Schneider, because I don't know what the alternative is at quarterback afterwards. I will say, John Schneider, as far as his talent evaluation, seems like he has been in the right ballpark with some of the quarterbacks that he has visited and supposedly been interested in. So honestly, if it ever does come to that point, I actually have a decent amount of faith that John Schneider could find the next guy. But I don't want to find that road. I don't want to go down that road. I don't want to do that. You shouldn't want to do that. Text in 710-710. Sports media. When there's nothing to talk about, they find it. They blow it out of proportion. You can believe that if you want. And we could come back to this in a couple of years. And hopefully Russell Wilson is still here. I do not want to go to the abyss. And also... I'll be honest, I would much rather talk about something else. Like, I don't know, the Mariners maybe moving in the right direction. Sadly, they're 1-5 against the Detroit Tigers this year and are back at timeout after one day out of timeout. And now Jared Kelnick's 0 for 8 and there's four strikeouts and things like that. One last text. Russ owes no one an apology. You guys need to shut your pie hole. 
on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. I understand that sentiment. All I'm going to say then is that if he doesn't owe you an apology, then is his word good to you? Russell Wilson said that he wants to play here for the remainder of his career. Things can change, but he wants to play here for the remainder of his career. Ask yourself this question before we hit the road. Do you legitimately believe him? I'm Paul Gallant. This has been the Paul Gallant Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. Big thanks to everybody who called in. Robert and Kirkland, sup? Texters, 710-710. And, of course, our tweeters. And the one and only Maura Dooley, who makes this thing happen every single day. I am merely Paul Gallant. So long. Farewell. Jake and Stacy are next.